0: Welcome to Views from the World Tree. This week, in part three of our camping series, we retrieve our marshmallow roasting sticks, dust off the playing cards, and apply copious amounts of bug spray all over our bodies, as we take a deep dive into how to to entertain ourselves and our family while camping. And now, on with the show...
1: yes i see good news everyone
0: with a little less stuttering
1: all right let's jump into news then um (laughs) so for this week i have uh, still been reading my book rooted that i've talked about for the last few weeks still making progress there um and then for my fall asleep audiobook, I have switched to the BabaVerse series. Um, I think you're familiar with this one, right? Have you read this one? It's so actually
0: I have read the first book. Um, I wanna say about four years ago, I posted it onto Facebook, Hey, I'm looking for book recommendations. Do you have anything? And you sent this to me and it was okay. On- <laughs> Amazon Unlimited, I think. Uh-huh. So I downloaded it and I read it and I loved it. And then when I got about halfway through the second one, I kind of lost it. But the first one was phenomenal. Yeah.
1: Yeah, agreed. Second one was, yeah. Third one, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, first one was great. <laughs> okay. Uh,
0: anyway, third one, um,
1: third one I'll, I'll... like he kind of picked it back up and started to get good again. But anyway. Yeah, so that's my my fall asleep book. Um and I, I it's feel kind like of we funny. talked about
0: how good it is, but what's it about? Just in case anybody's listening this I like, go. Oh. Yeah,
1: I should probably should probably <laughs> mention that. Ah, yeah, there's this book. It's got this weird so title.
0: good, but we're not gonna tell you what it is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um Yeah, so it's the series is called Bobiverse. Uh, the first book is called We Are Legion, We Are Bob. It's about this guy named Bob. Um, Robert Johansson, he is a software engineer um, who just made a whole crap ton of money selling his company uh, to some big conglomerate. And with part of that money that he made, he decided that he wants to set up a trust um, with this company that called something cryogenics that basically is going to freeze his body when he dies until such time that medicine has advanced to where you know, they can bring him back. And, uh, so through, uh, you know, a turn of events that you can read about if you want to, he gets brought back, but the process of doing that, um, is destructive so that they, you know, his head is, his brain is destroyed. They put him in this like they basically create an AI, an artificial intelligence that's supposedly a perfect copy of um, of him when he was alive. And he um, is given the job of being inserted into a space probe to go out and like um, kind of like an advanced scout to build like... Uh, habitable locations and find places for humanity to to spread to because the Earth has been overpopulated and is full and they need somewhere else to go. So that's pretty quick overview. I miss anything?
0: No, I think you hit it. Um, it's goofy. It's tongue and cheek. It's definitely not like hard sci-fi. I'll yeah. just throw that out there.
1: Yeah. Lots of fun, nerdy pop culture references and stuff. So, um, it was kind of funny when I, so as people can probably tell, I switch books a lot that I'm reading. I'm always reading three or four at the same time. And the audible narrator for the Bobaverse series is the same narrator as Andy Weir's new book. Um, Project Hail Mary that I've been listening to, and Andy Weir obviously is the guy that wrote The Martian. Um, so my my wife was super confused because so in our bedroom we have speakers like on either side of the bed um, that are Bluetooth speakers, and so when I listen to my books, I put it on that, and so she can hear it too. And she was super confused because the same voice, like <laughs> that was. Talking last night and telling this story is now suddenly telling a totally different story in a different universe and with different people. And suddenly the main character is not a, a probe anymore. He's a human. Yeah. So it was kind of funny.
0: <clears throat> That's awesome, actually. Um, and then. Oh. oh, go. Sorry. I was going to ask Bluetooth speakers, like on the bed, how. Oh. Did it come with your frame or was that... No, it's different? just
1: um, that we have
0: the Apple HomePod minis
1: that are just a little like pod looking things. And then I 3D printed a, a thing that like connects to the, to the frame and you just set it on there. It's got a little like recessed area for it to sit in. Oh, that's cool. So...
0: Anyway, Apple fanboy. <laughs> I, I, sorry, I, I just—it's all good. I'm fanboying over your uh, over your three D printing, like you've got <laughs> such cool gadgets.
1: It's coming handy for sure. <laughs> um, for my watching, I haven't really been doing any movies or TV shows, like nothing really to speak of. I did kind of fall down a rabbit hole on YouTube, though. Um, there is this, uh, hobby community around radio controlled trucks, um, specifically around like rock crawling and off-roading. And so, um, people will buy these like three, $400 and obviously more, but the one that I was looking at, was like $300 and they're replicas of actual real world trucks and they're electrical radio controlled and they will they're like really high tech they have actual shock absorbers that are filled with oil and like real rubber tires that you can like change the air pressure on and all kinds of stuff they have like real working winches and and so what these people will do is they'll take these trucks and they'll take them out and like rock crawl with them they'll go out in the in the desert or the hills or whatever. And it'll be just like watching people rock crawl these like 30, $40,000 trucks, but it's, you know, a little radio controlled one. So I uh, just, yeah, <laughs> subscribe to a bunch of new YouTube channels recently, I guess.
0: I am intrigued enough that I might have to go down that rabbit hole with you <laughs> one of these days. Cause that <laughs> does sound strangely entertaining. It's
1: It really is. And there's like all of these unwritten rules. Like, so there's this one guy, um, I think his channel name is called West Desert RC. Um, and he's based in like Southern Utah. But so I was watching him and he was like trying to go up over this like rocky obstacle thing. And it's all pretty much scaled to, you know, what it would look like in real life. And he does really good camera work and stuff and, you know, gets it down, down low. And so it looks like <laughs> something you would see in, I don't know, like an off-road commercial, I guess. But uh, but there's all these like weird rules about it that, I don't know, not really rules, but it's kind of seen as taboo to like, if you get stuck to like pick up the, the truck and move it. <laughs> Or it's kind of like playing golf, right? You have to play the ball where it lies, supposedly. It's one of those like unwritten etiquette things of the hobby. So it's kind of entertaining and really cool to watch because they'll like be doing this obstacle and they'll like get stuck. And so it's cool to watch them try and work out like, okay, how do I get unstuck but without actually intervening in a way that wouldn't be possible if it was just the truck. You know, can I like deploy my winch? Can I like rearticulate some things? And these trucks are incredible. They have like locking differentials and stuff that you can lock and unlock and all kinds of crazy stuff. But okay. it's really entertaining to watch.
0: That sounds extremely geeky. <laughs> so. And I kind of dig it. I got to admit,
1: definitely cheaper than the real thing. So,
0: yeah, I did. well, in my brain, I'm sitting here going, "You, you live kind of close to BLM land. Like, do we need to buy some of these RC stuff and just have like a summer of uh, off-roading RC vehicles?"
1: Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's literally, I don't know, like a ten-minute drive. So,
0: yeah, that sounds fun. We can go camp <laughs> out and climb mountains with our RC vehicles. <laughs> anyway, so
1: I don't know. If I fall into the hobby itself, maybe we'll uh, talk about it more in the future. But uh, for actual news this week, uh, today actually, um, Blizzard announced a new mobile game in the Warcraft universe. They had said that they were going to announce it, so it wasn't really a surprise. But uh, the game is called Warcraft Light Rumble, and uh, it took me longer than I cared to admit to realize that the acronym for that is WAR W A R. So, um, it's it looks fairly entertaining. Like, I'm not a huge mobile gamer, um, but it looks Interesting enough that I'll probably play it. Um, If you've played Clash Royale or any other kind of like laned um, tower capturing game, it's fairly similar to that, but it's a lot more in depth. Uh, There's like talent trees, and um, there's also a PvE or a like a you play against the AI in a campaign mode and there's quests to do and dungeons and raids and a progression system leveling up. And it kind of follows the classic Warcraft. Um, so like you start out in Elwyn forest and you have to go and level up your, your little team or your squad and you take on Hogger and you go to like Westfall and you can go to the Barrens and yeah. I don't know. seems interesting. It's kind of fun to get a, a fresh take on it and then at the same time revisit the IP. I know a lot of people were kind of annoyed because it looks, I mean, it, it's very like family friendly, right? It, it's a mobile game. It's very like lighthearted, cartoonish, um, even more so than like Hearthstone, And so a lot of people were criticizing it for that, but I think it looks like a lot of fun. I don't Did you get a chance to look at this one yet?
0: I I looked around the website and I did a pre, pre pre-register for it. So on the website. So once it comes out, I'll probably get an email saying, Hey, here it is. Um, But I don't know. As far as the, the, the way it looks like making it family friendly. It's a way to get around the limitations over in Asia. Like I know the Asian world of Warcraft, they have to paint over or retexture the skeletons because that's offensive to the, uh, the internet laws over in China. So like making it super comical, is a way to release one game without having to release multiple different games for different markets. So I totally get why they're doing it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, let's face it, as far as the Warcraft IP goes, there's not a lot of like new young blood being injected into that as player base. And so maybe this is a way to try and gain some interest there because I know with the the younger generation, Mobile games are huge. And uh, so, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah. No.
1: Um, if anybody listening is interested, um, one thing that's not mentioned on the official website, there are a couple of uh, Twitch streamers slash YouTube people that already have access to it as part of like a, a very limited alpha so if you go to Towley, uh, T-O-W-E-L-I-E, or Bajira um, are the two that I know were streaming it earlier on Twitch. So if you want to see some actual, like, gameplay, I know that they had access to the alpha and they said they were going to be putting some videos up on their YouTube.
0: Nice. Um I'll have to check them out. I know I used to watch a lot of Bajira stuff when I was uh, really into the Warcraft scene, and since I left, I've kind of stopped watching them because, you know, yeah. But
1: anyway, that's uh, I think that's it for news for me this week. What about you? What's going on, sir?
0: Um, as far as my reading this week, I, I, in the notes, I put absolutely nothing because I couldn't think of it, but. That's a lie. Um, I've been listening to Leviathan Wakes, the first series in The Expanse, or first book in The Expanse series. I don't know. Have you seen The Expanse series or read any of them?
1: Um, I have not read any. I tried watching it at one point. I really enjoyed it, but it was... I don't remember why I stopped might have just been too much drama
0: (laughs) fair but yeah um from what i've read online the second book of the series is a lot better but i have actually never seen any of the shows or movies I, i don't even know um so i haven't seen any of the series of the expanse but i decided to to listen to it and i have to admit the uh the story's got me hooked, this uh, this inside, in-group, out-group, like the whole conflict type of thing. It just feels like a Star Wars in, um, in our own solar system, so it's kind of fun hmm. that way. I don't know if that's how it's going to end up. I mean, I'm only on chapter 13 out of close to a 700-page book, so... There's, there's a lot more to it, I assume. So that's what I've been reading. Nice. Um, as far as watching, nothing new. Uh, I did re-download Cyberpunk 2077 onto the Xbox, and I'm going to go through and finally beat that game. I remember really enjoying the show, uh, the story, really enjoying the atmosphere and like the the sci-fi kind of cyberpunk feel. It's got that dystopian corporate takeover feel with like you being able to do something, right? So I've been enjoying going through that again. Um, Hopefully I'll make it past roughly the third, I'll say third chapter. I, I made it to the third act where you finally figured out what was happening and then I kind of life caught up to me, and I didn't.
1: Nice. So, are you gonna pick pick up uh, with your same save file or start over?
0: No, I started all. I started over. I started back out okay. in the desert as a nomad, and then rediscovering nice. the city as it goes.
1: That was going to be my next question: nomad, nomad corpo, or a street kid? But.
0: Uh, The first time I ran through, I did Street Kid and Mm -hmm. the interactions were a lot of fun, but I wanted to see it. Um, I assume, I'm not giving any spoilers away now, but around the second act, you actually hook up with with a nomadic tribe to kind of take out a corporation. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see what the interactions were having the nomad background because that was probably the most intriguing part of the story to me. Okay. My one complaint is they put you on rails a lot. Mm, yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah, when I did it,
1: I haven't beat it either. Um, when I was playing through it, I did it as a nomad as well. So, which is probably no surprise to you since you, you know me and my personality, but. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, we, we have a similar personality. Yep, true. I, I play video games to sometimes escape my reality, so I try to do different <laughs> things. Fair enough. <clears throat> and I will never, ever, ever be a corporate shill, so I will probably never <laughs> play through that storyline. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, did, did you make it to that second... Um, That second part where you hook up with the nomads out in the desert?
1: Um, I don't think so. If I did, it's slipped my
0: mind. I got to say, the story really picks up at that point. You get off the rails a little bit and then the world opens up. It just takes a while to get there.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big part of why I lost interest, if I'm being honest. So that's good to hear that it picks up.
0: Yeah. And uh for anybody that is listening that thought about here, trying it and got afraid of because of all the uh, all the bugs and whatnot um, the uh, developers have finally squashed what feels like 95 percent of the bugs I the play is almost seamless now nice so yeah just letting you know. Um, as far as news, uh, there's a viral video going around of uh, called praising Jesus at thirty thousand feet. Have you seen it?
1: <laughs> um, I have not. I, <laughs> I missed that one
0: somehow. <laughs> okay. Uh, basic premise: This church group on a commercial jet. Um stands up and starts to sing a contemporary religious song up in the sky. Um, (laughs) And people are... Some people are standing. Some people are singing along. Some of the people on the jet are looking on mortified. Um, (laughs) It is... The goofiest thing that I've ever seen and in my opinion in my personal opinion it's kind of offensive Mm -hmm. like I don't know I have a hard time when people force their religion on other people especially when other people don't have a chance to walk away yeah you, you, you can't walk away when you're trapped in a tin can at 30,000 feet. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Like, is that acceptable? Is that too far?
1: Um. <clears throat> uh, yeah, <laughs> I got to tread carefully here. I don't want to offend anybody on, you know, on either side of this. I think that that is probably crossing the line. Um, again, not having seen the video, but from what you describe, I think that's probably taking it a little too far. And I'm willing to give most uh, people uh, the benefit of the doubt that sharing their religion comes from a place of love and that they're sharing it with people because they're trying to, you know, share what they love. Um, But even then, like, if somebody's not interested, you just got to let it go, man. Like (laughs) none of this, like, uh, yeah, whether it's, People that are stuck in an airplane and can't go anywhere, or people that are knocking doors, proselytizing, that try and like wedge their foot in the door so you can't shut it. Like, that's, that's, that's too far. I, yeah. and I'm perfectly willing to be patient and, and civil, but yeah, I can. I can understand the uh, the I don't know the frustration. I guess because when it gets to that point, I get frustrated
0: too. Yep, um, I I couldn't agree more. I I I debated adding it because I do understand like faith can be a big driver for people and they are so excited that they want to share it with other people, but like yourself, like, and don't force it, please type of thing. And it just felt that way to me. It felt a little forced, a little, um, I don't know, in your face, religion type of thing. Mm hmm. Um, the same group, it, it's actually interesting and I don't want to take too much time because we, we, we want to go talk about camping and the fun activities <laughs> that we can do with our own guitars rather than, um, rather than other people uh, coming and singing for us. But um, the other group, the same group was seen uh, greeting Ukrainian refugees um, in a airport terminal, it looked like is they got off the plane with this exact same song that they performed up in the air. And so it, it, it seems a little much to me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, you just gotta realize that not everybody (laughs) has had the same life experience that you have. Like, People have all kinds of past experiences with religions of all kinds. And just because you are a, you know, again, we're assuming kind upstanding individual genuinely trying to share what you care about from a, you know, from a good place. It doesn't mean that that person has always had that experience with other people trying to share religion with them. So
0: anyway yeah no that's perfect
1: (laughs) and there's there there's so many different religions all over the world and uh like i hate to say it but from well i don't hate to say it but (laughs) from a pure numbers standpoint christianity is not the the mainstream like you start bringing people or you start talking to people from other countries and different ethnic backgrounds, you got to realize not everybody shares your um, siloed view on,
0: on life. So. Well, I'm going to play a little bit of a counter argument now. Um, <laughs> coming from a Western European influence society, you can you can almost predict with close to a ninety percent certainty that most people have some sort of Christian upbringing. yeah, i would I would
1: agree, you know, or at least have uh, had experience with it. so
0: yeah. I think the one difference is outside of the United States and Australia. The evangelical movement, which I, I'm going to assume that these people who would be performing praise songs up in the airplane would be a part of, doesn't really exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I'll just put it there we'll stop talking about it because I don't want to offend any of our listeners. Plus we've been kind of rattling on about the news for a while. So.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, <clears throat> I'll jump into part three of camping and uh, this, I'll just preface this by saying we're planning that this will be the final episode. We're not quite sure yet. <laughs> uh, we do still have some of some of this that was pre-recorded, um, so we'll have to see how long that is once we get done uh, with our our topic today. And uh, you'll find out next week if it goes into part four or not. <laughs> but
0: yeah, um, that is why I did not say part three of three or part three of four because <laughs> <laughs> there's no. Yeah,
1: it's. I think I think it's been good though. We've covered a lot. It's camping is something that you know we both like doing and obviously honestly it's a a pretty broad topic so
0: I have no complaints I think it's uh it's been fun it's been fun talking about it and sharing ideas and doing a little bit of research and figuring out the different ways to do it because I always always look down on people that didn't didn't do the dispersed camping thing or do the backpacking as not real campers but and they're still <laughs> real campers yeah the older I get the more I realize comfort is important
1: <laughs> it it really is because if you're miserable you're not enjoying yourself
0: so okay. so how do we not be miserable camping?
1: well uh, that's kind of what we had planned to talk about today right so Wanted to look I at,
0: know that's why I said it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: we wanted to look at some of the activities and stuff that you can do once you're actually there. And I know for me, this is usually the hard part, um, because whenever I go with uh, with family and friends, um, I'm usually heavily, heavily involved in the planning. Uh, part of that's just my personality. Part of that is um, a lot of the time uh, the family I go with doesn't have as much experience. Uh, but so I'm always really focused on making sure that we have like meal plans and chore rotations and everything's packed and we're not forgetting anything and everybody's being safe and campsites are booked and all that kind of stuff. And then when we get there, honestly, I'm perfectly happy just to sit there with a book and like throw the ball for the dogs. Um, And so coming up with activities is usually the last thing on my mind. But when I'm trying to convince people to come camping with me, that's kind of like the first thing that they care about, like, why should we go camping? What are we going to do that's fun? So, can you help us out here?
0: Um, I can. Uh, mostly because I have done some stints as a Cub Scout leader. I've done some stints in the Boy Scouts. Um, I've had to come up with the activities. And not because I enjoy the activities. Because like you when I go camping to get away from like the hustle. And so <laughs> this, uh, when I go, I'm perfectly happy in a hammock with a book or a magazine and just sitting. I love climbing mountains and sitting and just listening to nature around me. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but when I was writing the notes for this, um, I kind of broke it into three times. We've got the morning activities, we've got uh, the things that you do during the day, and then the things you do at evening or night. Um, and um, so I'll start with some of the things uh, in the morning that, uh, that I have kind of decided that we do. So when you're camping you got to eat. So usually for me when I'm there with my family or with a different group, morning is a time to get together, figure out what the uh what the plan for the day is. So not everybody likes to do everything. Some people want to stay around the campsite, some people want to go hiking, some people want to go fishing, so it's a time to kind of come together with whoever you're camping with and figure out what you're going to do. So I really like the morning for that. So um, some of the questions that, uh, that I would ask if you are taking this on is what are we doing? Where do we need to go to do set activity? Is there anything we need to pack? And if it falls through, is there anything else that we can do that's similar? So, for me, the morning time is a time to get together and kind of break down the plan for the day. Um, so besides cooking and cleaning, is there anything that you and your family have done in the morning that's kind of different?
1: Um, not really. It's usually, I'm usually the first one up and I'm usually making the fire making um like hot cocoa or coffee or whatever people's morning drink of choice is, and trying to <laughs> trying to get people to wake up and and get dressed honestly um i yeah i've never really used that time as like a a morning scrum but i like that idea it's a good time for it.
0: Yeah. Um. So I guess uh, the next thing is what to do during the daytime. Um, as far as daytime activities, uh, my personal favorite would have to be hiking. We have talked about hiking in the past on this episode, but when looking for places to hike, um, I love to look for interesting places. So Your waterfalls, your scenic overlooks, um, trails that go up to the top of a mountain, peaks, uh, cliff faces, just things that you wouldn't have a chance to see if you didn't actually put on your hiking boots and go. So.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. Hiking is a lot of fun and. Um, depending on where you're going, you might want to research trails in advance, uh, just depending on if you have, um, you know, a cell phone signal or not. Um, and if you, so going back a couple episodes, maybe last episode, I can't remember at this point. Uh, but if you're staying in an organized campground, um, a lot of the times there will be a map near the entrance that will show like, um, like trails that are that you can start from the campground. It'll tell you if like how difficult they are, how long they are. And if you're at a campground with a full-time camp host, a lot of the time they will have like some maps and stuff that they can give you. So. Perfect. Um, And then, so another thing that you can do Printer's going off. Um, So another thing you can do if you're not the hiking type, which is totally fine. A lot of my family are not. Um, When you're stuck in the campsite with family and you don't want to, uh, you know, get on each other's nerves, playing some games are a great thing to kind of pass the time. And it's a thing that a lot of families don't have a lot of time for otherwise. So it's a good time to do it. Some popular camping games are spike ball, uh, horseshoes, or cornhole, depending on the location. Volleyball, if you have a large group and you have uh, like an open area to set up a net and stuff. You can play Frisbee. Um, Also, the games that we like to play when we go camping, my family, are kind of like your sit-down Games like checkers, chess, Scrabble, dominoes. Um, my wife and I are are huge board game, tabletop game fans. So uh, we usually are assigned to bring a bunch of games and stuff that um, we know our family will like to play. Um, there's excuse me. There's a lot of board games that are camping friendly. Um, you probably want to stay away from games with a lot of cards or pieces that can blow around. Um, but, uh, that's something that
0: we usually do when we go camping. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, for me and my family, it's always dominoes, um, Mexican train or chicken feet, something that you can play with more than just two people. Um, also, if uh, if you're not with your family, uh, Domino's is also a betting game, so you can always play different different versions of poker with Dominoes. That uh, if you're interested, DM us. I'll uh, I'll send you some links because it is fun. So
1: yeah, deck of cards that reminded me. Just a deck of playing cards is always a must-have. We would always play Texas Hold'em with like Starburst or. You know, M and M's or whatever you have. Maybe not oh. M and M's; they melt. Skittles. We we've, we've done Skittles. A lot. Starbursts are are really good because they're individually wrapped, so people aren't getting their fingers all over them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, as uh, the old adage says, uh "God made dirt so it don't hurt." Right. <laughs> well. Yeah, there's
1: lots of stuff in nature that
0: can hurt you quite a bit, so I don't know if I believe that one. (laughs) Until you get worms and have to be dewormed, but up until then, it doesn't hurt.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have never personally uh, been dewormed. I've dewormed dogs and horses, and I think that's about it, but
0: yeah, yeah. not pleasant. I have not had the uh, opportunity to have it done myself either, so... (laughs) <laughs> Knock on wood. I hopefully I will never have to do that, but I don't go around eating mud pies, so there you go. Chances <laughs> are probably slim, unless somebody really has poor hygiene while they're cooking. Um. Anyway, uh, besides that, I both of us kind of uh, hinted at it. I'm gonna a book. Camping is a great time to sit back and catch up on your reading. Um, for me, when I'm camping, I really enjoy like adventure books. Those are usually my go-to. So, uh, Something kind of outdoors related, which is maybe weird. I'm experiencing the outdoors. Why should I live vicariously through a main character? But that's my go-to. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, for novels, I would have to agree. Some type of adventure book. Um, Something light, um, relatively moderately paced, easy to follow. Um, I also, if I were to read like some type of a, I don't know what the, what they're called, not self-help books, but like philosophical books I guess camping is a great time to do it um, and as far as like I don't know, obviously you can't bring a ton of books my just because of space my wife really likes bringing actual physical books when we're camping um, for me personally I prefer to bring a Kindle And I said, like I said earlier, that's because when I'm reading, I tend to bounce back and forth between books a lot. And so I can just have my Kindle with like several hundred books on it. Um, And it's the, not the, like, not the tablet type of Kindle. It's the the e-paper or e-ink one. So the battery lasts like three weeks. They make them. They make them waterproof now too. So if you have an old one and you want one to take camping, you might might check
0: into that. <clears throat> I'm with your wife on this one. I, when I'm camping, I prefer the uh, the physical book. Yeah. So.
1: I I really like. Honestly, I would too. Like, there's nothing better than sitting out in nature with a paperback. Problem is, like, I. I don't know if it's just like my ADD or what, but I just get bored really quickly when I just have the one book to read. Well, it's it's one of two things. I either get bored and if I try and power through, I just lose the ability to retain what I'm reading or I like hyper-focus on it and finish the entire book in one afternoon and then don't have anything to do the rest of the week.
0: Right, my uh, my ADD manifests itself very similar. In fact, as you said, maybe it's my ADD. I just had like a whole nation cell go through my head. <laughs> Blame it on my ADD.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> gonna get us demonetized.
0: Just kidding. We're not monetized anyway. Yeah. All right, I sang it so off key. We're never gonna get uh, <laughs> the get algorithm a copyright strike on that. <laughs> um, so kind of go to going along with reading. Um, I love a hammock. That's one of my all time favorite things about camping is the ability to sit in a hammock. You don't really get to do that in the city all that often, unless you have space to put one out in your backyard. So. Definitely a purchase, definitely get it. You can get them loose where you can tie it between two trees. A little bit harder to do. You got to be very selective on the trees <laughs> or you can get it with a stand. And the stands now are these lightweight sheet metal, like formed metal things that don't take up as much room and are actually pretty solid. So you don't have to worry about it collapsing on you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My wife uh, loves, loves, loves hammocks as well. We have a freestanding one in our backyard. And we have a couple that we take camping that are um, like super heavy duty. They're made from like um, rip stop, like parachute nylon type stuff. And they have nylon webbing to hang them up. Um, my in-laws also have a really interesting one. It's um, constructed identical to like the folding camp chairs, uh, but it's a hammock. So it sits about, I don't know, two feet off the ground. And it's just, it folds up like a camp chair and it just accordions out and you can just lay on it. So it also has like a little awning that fits over the top of it so that you can have some shade there.
0: Have you seen, sorry, going off the rails again, have you seen the, um, I want to say it's uh, one of those solar powered like sauna hot tub thing hammocks where you've got the hammock swing Mm -hmm. and it's got the solar heated water so you can fill it up with water and like sit in basically a hot tub while you're camping?
1: I have not. So it's like like an actual tub that holds water or
0: it's like your uh it's like your parachute material it's like your nylon thing, but it's got the inflatable uh jacket or sleeve that goes around it hmm and that's got the the solar conducting heat stuff like that a solar shower would have and oh, okay. it supposedly warms up the uh water I don't know that it, you would hit hundred and one degrees like you would in a hot tub <laughs> yeah but almost like a nice warm bath <laughs> I
1: have not seen that.
0: Yeah, sorry. I just... <laughs> there's a uh, there's a TV show on Amazon Prime called Gadget Man that uh, looks at different gadgets. And one of the episodes he did was a camping gadget. And I can't remember if it was on that one or a different one that he did, but that was the... That was the gadget that I went. Oh, that's actually kind of cool. Hmm.
1: You'll yeah, have to look at that later. <clears throat> cool.
0: Anyway, what's next?
1: Um, fishing. So I well, I should start out by saying, I understand fishing is a little bit controversial with uh, like animal rights people. So, we're just going to um not touch on any of that. <laughs> um, yeah, fishing is one of my favorite things to do, um whether that's fly fishing or kind of your more classic like um, bait fishing, lure fishing. And a lot of campgrounds and camping areas tend to be close to lakes or streams. So chances are that there will be fishing nearby. Um, so if you plan to go fishing, obviously you want to research kind of what spots there are in the area, what you can expect to catch, what type of tackle to use. Um, you also want to take a look at regulations in the area. If you're camping on a uh, forest service land, BLM land, there's always rules about how many fish you can keep, what you can catch them with, where you can fish, when you can fish. And uh, also I believe pretty much everywhere you need to have a fishing license unless you're, you know, on your own private property, but Um, Also, as far as fishing goes, you can fish from the shore. You can fish from a boat. Um, They have these cool little one-person inflatable things called float tubes. Uh, It's basically like a tube with a pair of pants attached, I guess, is a way of looking at it. It's got like a little backrest. You can paddle around in those. Um, Those are really popular for uh, like you put in upstream and you just kind of float down the stream nice and lazy, just fishing as you go. Um, I don't know what else to say about that without getting too deep into like fishing specifics.
0: I feel like we could do an entire episode on fishing, where to fish, how to fish. So,
1: probably could yeah how to like techniques uh, how to cook them how to clean them all of that stuff
0: yeah so look for that in the future so today (laughs) we'll just leave it as fishing is an activity that you can do (laughs) yes it is um another one that you can do uh that i i have a love-hate relationship with this next one i'll just uh i'll just say that before I go, but, uh, but shooting, firearms, um, so this one is probably even more controversial than fishing, because even the avid outdoorsmen tend to have an opinion on shooting outside of a range versus in a designated range, that type of thing, um, if you're going to do it, it's fun, it's great make sure you know what you're doing with your firearm, make sure you know how to clear a jam, make sure you know all of the ins and outs so you don't have any accidents. Also, uh, it's very area dependent. Um, Some national forests, uh, even though firearms are used on them, will have designated sites where you go because the unfortunate reality is people who tend to go to the national uh, public lands to shoot do not follow um, the leave no trace ideals and they will shoot glass bottles and just leave all the crap up there they they will uh, leave their targets their bullet casings they they the places where people go to shoot tend to get really trashed out like extremely trashed out um, And so there is a kind of a courtesy thing. Uh, Know where to shoot, know when to shoot, know how to shoot, and clean up after yourself. Uh, I guess one more thing that I would say on that. Here in Colorado, we are going to be under fire restrictions all year. We had one of the driest winters that I've ever seen. Uh, We had almost no precipitation in the entire month of April. It's not getting better. And if there is a fire restriction, shooting is also banned. And don't argue with any ranger any of that. Like, people will shoot steel tip bullets that can hit a piece of flint that could cause a spark that could cause a forest fire. Likelihood of that happening, very slim, but it can happen. Just follow the guidelines. Realize that you can't shoot if you're in a fire restriction.
1: Yeah, and it it does happen. Uh, when we lived in Utah, there was a couple of wildfires that were started by target shooting. So I don't remember if it was from uh, steel core ammunition or tracer rounds or exploding targets. could be from any of those. Um, but yeah, it can happen. It does happen.
0: I think I remember one <clears throat> of those was a uh, gender reveal party with exploding round uh, targets.
1: Uh, I do remember hearing something about that.
0: Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, yeah, I, I love target shooting. I, I guess you could, I'm what you would call a firearms enthusiast. I dislike the term gun nut. Um, Cause I, I feel like I'm pretty responsible um, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. You just have to be safe doing it. I feel like this is a very uh,
0: um, American
1: <laughs> section of this, of this episode, but
0: I don't know. I, I've got friends in Norway that love to go trap shooting. I've got friends in Scotland, the same thing. Like I, I feel like shooting is international.
1: It it is, and it's it's definitely a fun thing to do in many different parts of the world. I feel like going out camping and just finding a an empty spot on the side of the highway to go target shooting is kind of a, a back you know, backcountry American thing to do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's no argument there. I think everywhere else it tends to be like at a an organized range. Um, but yeah, so as far as the other, the only other thing I was going to talk about is other than, you know, be safe. Um, you talked about trash and that is a huge, huge problem. And it's a huge pet peeve of mine because the more that, the more areas that are destroyed by target shooting, the less and less the. Uh, authorities want to allow that sort of thing. And so it it impacts uh, everybody else. It impacts people like me. Um, And it's it's not even difficult to clean up after yourself. Just don't shoot beer bottles. Take, like, actual targets, bring them back with you. As far as picking up your bullet casings, what I do when I go shooting is I just lay out a tarp and then... Everybody stands like on the tarp or to the side of it, so that they're when the the firearm ejects the casings, they get ejected onto the tarp. And then when we're done, you just gather up the corners of the tarp and um, dump it into a. I take like a little a uh, little box that we just dump all the casings into. <clears throat> so, and you can actually sell those. Like there are companies that will buy those and reload them and resell the the ammunition. So there's, if you're just doing it because you're lazy or if you're not doing it because you're lazy, um, maybe that's an incentive for you. <laughs> you yeah. can make some money off of it.
0: I, I've got, I've got some friends that used to go up to fire, unmonitored fire ranging ranges uh, to pick up casings and take them down to the local recycling plant to sell them as brass because mm-hmm. Last I checked, I think something like 50 cents per ounce of brass.
1: Yeah, it's it's not insignificant. So. Like probably at least if not more than aluminum
0: cans. Yep. So. I'm actually going to look it up real quick.
1: Well, while you're doing that, uh, I'll talk about drawing and painting for a little bit. There you go. Um, Just for a little bit, though, because like I talked about last week, I don't, I can't draw. I'm learning to. I think I talked about that, too. But but the people I go camping with are very artistic. My mother-in-law is, uh, like, went to school for art. So did my father-in-law. So they both... Really, are into that kind of thing? My mother in law does um, like pet portraits and and things like that, still life, uh, and like pictures of flowers. But uh, she mainly mainly does like pencil. Uh, my wife is very artistic. We have a a friend that lives here locally in Idaho that um, is an artist professionally. She sells art. Um, so, if you have the ability and are so inclined, there's lots of inspiration that can be had um, out in out in nature. So, and they don't take up a lot of room.
0: Yeah, perfect. <clears throat> um, as we were talking about shooting, um, I, I had the other thought of uh, bow and arrow. Archery is something that you can shoot that you don't. Necessarily need a dedicated range to, and you can even do it during a fire restriction. So, yeah, you're so inclined to do something like that. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, I did look up uh, brass casings right now go for two dollars and thirty cents to three dollars a uh, per pound. Wow. So,
1: that's not terrible.
0: Um, yeah, it's. It's fun. And it's cool. Clean up after yourself and bring some extras home. If people are going to pay you $3 for a pound of uh, shells, bring some extra home. Grab a couple uh, cents more. Yeah. Um, now it's time to talk about the evening.
1: Sorry, just one other thing before oh, we. Sorry. Uh, one thing that's not on our list that I like to do um, is. So I've, I'm kind of into photography, um, got it. I've gotten into it a little bit more lately just because there's been, you know, more wildlife out and about and I picked up a nice lens for my camera. So, um, but yeah, I've always been like, I've always loved photography and just trying to capture the beauty that you see out in nature, finding a way to. Um, like frame that and composite it into a photo that not only will help you remember some of that like awe that you experienced, but also share it with other people that either don't or didn't have the opportunity to go see it for themselves is something I've always really enjoyed.
0: That's one. That's one of my favorite hobbies as well. But um, if you or any of the listeners have ever seen the movie, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, there's a great scene um, with this world-renowned photographer at the end who doesn't capture his once-in-a-lifetime shot. And he says something along the lines of, sometimes it's too pure to take the shot, or sometimes, I can't remember exactly what, what it was, but just remember a photograph is not going to hold the memory the same as actually experiencing it yourself. Yeah. So
1: yeah, you got to look up from the camera sometimes and just enjoy being out in nature. Mm -hmm. And I would also say there's, I don't know, maybe this is a little bit snobbish of me, but I feel like there's a difference between what I do with a camera when I'm out in nature and what, some people do with like selfies on Instagram because <laughs> that drives me a little bit nuts when we're out like hiking or whatever and you get to like this scenic overlook and there's just a bunch of people with their cell phones taking selfies and <clears throat> like I don't know if you're if you're doing it to remember your experience and have a memory captured, that's fantastic. But I feel like a lot of people just do it for the likes and for the attention on social media. And that's, like, honestly, a lot of the the landscape photos and nature photos that I take, I don't even post on social media because they're, like, that's not the reason I take them. So, anyway, a bit of a... Soapbox, I guess, but
0: no, nah, it's okay. Boomer. <laughs> You're older than me. <laughs> I know I am. I just couldn't, I couldn't resist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <clears throat> no. Um, so it, it, th- those are kind of the things that you can do during the day, during the evening. It, some of these you can repeat like playing cards, playing dominoes, definitely do. Uh, you can definitely do those in the evening. Um, so on this list, we have, uh, cooking as a family. Uh, this has always been one of my favorite things. I, I don't know what it is. Um, no matter what, when, whether I'm at home or out in the woods or out up in the mountains, when I cook as part of a group, it becomes more communal. Uh, you, you share more stories. The, the, the load, the workload is spread out, and so people aren't as apt to get angry at each other. So even <laughs> if it's not your turn to cook, offer to help uh, during this time and just enjoy the process. Um, so that's one of my favorite activities. I've gotten to hear so many stories about uh, my family growing up and some of the, the trials and triumphs and stuff, uh, just listening and helping out with the cooking duties. Um, and uh, the other reason why cooking as a family is awesome is if you have super little kids or um, or the going with your great-great-grandmother, everybody can do something in regards to preparing the food. And it's something that all hands can do and all hands can kind of enjoy. Um, so, and as mentioned before, coals are easier to manage than fire. So cooking on an open flame is great for hot dogs and marshmallows. Not so great if you're doing a full course meal.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so one of my favorite things to do as an evening activity is just a campfire. Um, sounds like maybe, uh, over where you live might not be an option for the full year or maybe only in certain areas. Uh, I'm hoping that over here in, in Idaho, we stay a little bit wetter, but I like to just build a campfire, sit around it and I don't know, there's, there's something about, sitting around a fire, whether it's a campfire out in the mountains, whether it's a, a little fire pit in your backyard, a fireplace in your house. I think it really speaks to like some of the, the ancient like primal ancestral part of us as humans that, you know, fires were always, a huge thing for safety and for comfort. Like it was the one place that our ancient ancestors felt safe and it just makes you feel warm, makes you feel at home, makes you feel comfortable. Um, Some of my best memories with family and friends have been around a fire. It's even back in like high school, this is something we would do often, like as often as we could just go out with friends, make a campfire, roast some marshmallows. Um, you know, maybe tell, tell some stories. If you're with family, um, you can just remember some of the funny moments, um, that you guys have experienced. Um, you can also tell stories, you know, um, Something that like cowboys used to do sitting around the fire at night were just tell stories. That's how a lot of the, like the some of the tall tales came to be, stuff like Paul Bunyan and and uh, all of those stories. You can talk about your family history if you're out with family. You know, if grandma goes camping with you, you can sit and have her share some of those memories and stuff from when she was a kid. Um, you can also, you know, lighten it up a little bit, tell some ghost stories. It's always fun to to sit around the campfire and scare yourself silly when you're um, out there listening to all the unfamiliar sounds at night. So,
0: Or scare people that aren't used in the woods. <laughs> that, yeah. that was always my favorite you hear a coyote yell and some people have never heard that before or a death <laughs> scream from a rabbit, which sounds so human. Like you can really embellish a, like a scary tale that would just freak people out. <laughs> so yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Stories. That's all my all time favorite. Uh, another thing that I love Living in the city, we take the stars for granted because we don't really get to see them. I love getting out away from everything and being able to look up and see the Milky Way. And, and when I say the Milky Way, like, yes, every star we see is the Milky Way. But if you get into a place without any city lights you get to see like this cloud, this cluster of stars upon stars upon stars upon stars. And it's so thick that you can see why the Milky Way galaxy is called the Milky Way galaxy. And it is one of my all time favorite things about camping. I love it. I love sitting out. Um, I've slept under the stars many times just so that I could watch like the space station go by and see it against the background and unfortunately there's a lot of uh trash up in our uh low orbit around the earth uh so half the stars that we might be seeing may not actually be stars may just be rocket bodies or dead satellites but it really is breathtaking to get out there and look up at the sky
1: agreed you almost feel dizzy sometimes like, you look up and you can tell just how far the galaxy goes. Like, it seems like it just goes on forever. And sometimes you feel like, I don't know, I love that feeling where you're staring up at the stars and you just feel like you're going to fall, <laughs> like, up into the sky. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of my favorite feelings. and. It's something that I think I took for granted growing up in a small town um, and going camping so often. I had a friend um, who uh, he and I met <clears throat> when oh, this would have been ten years ago. Um, but he had only lived he had only ever lived in large cities. He uh, was originally from back east. Um, And then he moved out to Salt Lake and that's where we met. And so Salt Lake was the smallest town he had ever been to. And uh, we went camping just on like a a weekend trip down to Bryce Canyon in Southern Utah, which is, there's this thing called, I forget what exactly it's called. They're called dark sites Uh, but there's like an organization that certifies these locations on earth as certified dark sites where the light pollution is below a certain level. And Bryce Canyon down in Southern Utah, uh, several areas down there are some of the darkest locations in the United States. And (laughs) it was so awesome to see the stars kind of through his eyes in a way because he had never seen like, you know, back East where he was from probably never saw a star ever Um, living in Salt Lake, maybe saw like the North star, maybe the big dipper or part of it. Um, But He was just shocked to see that like, if you go, if you Google search Milky way and you see these awesome, Um, landscape photos where there'll be like the horizon. And then you'll see like the arm of the Milky way stretching up over the sky. He was convinced that those were fake. Like that people just like that. They were CGI. Um, And granted some of them have like, you know, filters that they've put on or they're like long exposure photos, but really like you get out there where it's far enough away from the light pollution. And that's exactly what it looks like is you can see like not just stars, but you can see like the cloud of the galaxy and all of these nebula and stuff. And it was just so crazy to, to watch him experience that for the first time. I kind of wish that I could go through and experience that for the first time. Like now that I'm older and can appreciate it
0: yeah for sure my uh my grandpa used to make fun of me whenever I'd go out to visit him uh just because when the sun went down, I wanted to stay out in the front yard and just stare at the skies because I'd never <laughs> seen so many stars and so yeah he he made fun of me but he always made it made a point to take me somewhere where the uh where the sky was dark enough to see more stars and so. I've I've always had a special special fondness for looking at at this night sky. Yeah. So,
1: um, really quick, I want to recommend an app um, for stargazing. <clears throat> this is one that I use. It's called Night Sky X, and like. Yes, part of camping is getting away from technology, but sometimes technology can help um, you have a better experience. And this is just in plain and simple terms, it's a star chart on your smartphone. Um, You open it up and it uses the gyroscope of the phone. So wherever you point the phone, it like shows you the stars that are in that direction and it will label them tell you what they are. It'll draw the constellations for you. So that if you're, you know, if you see a star or a constellation or something in the sky and you're like, what is that? You can just look at the app and point your phone at it. It'll tell you what it is and uh, you can like tap on it and it'll give you more information. So it also tracks satellites, I think, although I don't really use it for that as much. But it's a pretty cool app.
0: Yeah, I use um, Starwalk too, which does same similar thing. Nice. Uh, you can download satellite maps. You can download where the ISS is on it. Um, but what I like about Starwalk is it'll send me a push notification if something interesting is going to happen. So like if there's going to be a lunar eclipse or if we're about to enter a uh, meteor shower type of thing or um, if uh, for some reason there's a strong enough solar flare that could make it so that I could see the uh, the northern lights this far south, um, which I've used a couple times to send text messages to Adam <laughs> to say, go see it because I can't see it because there's too much light <laughs> where I live. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very cool app for that so either app it sounds like yours is pretty neat too
1: yeah the one thing
0: I like I don't know and maybe Starwalk does does it too but
1: this one has a mode where you can enable the camera um, so and it will like overlay what your camera is seeing with the star chart
0: oh that's neat
1: so it like it turns the star chart translucent and then so you can on your screen you can see what your camera is seeing and you can line it up with with the star chart that might be a paid feature though oh. I don't
0: remember I have it I'm playing with it now <laughs> it doesn't see anything but it tells me what I would be seeing if I was looking at it Cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway. Very neat. If you were the developer of either of these apps, you should hit us up for all of this uh, free publicity we're giving you. That's right.
0: <laughs> I'm not asking for a handout, but I would love the paid upgrade for Starwalk too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I think that's reasonable. Um, yeah. Uh, going back to what to do, when you're, uh, in the evenings, um, moonlit walks when it's a full moon, uh, and you're out away from streetlights. It is amazing how bright everything can be. Um, and I love going on trails. They have to be familiar. You can't just do this on any trail. Uh, hiking at night can be extremely dangerous if you don't know the area. But if you're familiar with the area, going at night gives you such a different perspective. I've seen, I've seen giant bats. I've seen more wildlife because not every animal is active during the day. I see a lot of activity at night that you wouldn't get to see otherwise, and it's just really kind of a neat experience. And it puts a different, um, a different viewpoint when you're walking at night. So I would highly recommend it, especially if you have. Um, teenagers that maybe aren't into hiking doing a night walk where they're doing something that's a little bit riskier can actually kind of um, excite them enough that they might be more interested in doing it.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe warm them up with a ghost story beforehand.
0: (laughs) Or just give them a bag and tell them that they're going on a snipe hunt and then leave them out there for a couple hours. (laughs) I remember doing that. (laughs)
1: if you uh do go on a night walk in scorpion country um if you have a if your flashlight has a black light feature might be a good idea to to use that scorpions will fluoresce under a black light good call don't know why (laughs) i just know that they do it saved me a couple times
0: also know that if you're in an area with um, apex predators, they tend to be more active at night as well. So <laughs> just be aware of your surroundings for yep. sure.
1: <clears throat> All right. Um, last on the list of evening activities, Yeti calling. <laughs> I'm going to let you take this one.
0: I added this just because um, there's these shows on um, on Discovery Channel and its affiliates uh, where they hunt the yeti, and these uh, expert biologists um, will just go out there and they will scream at the top of their lungs and they call it a yeti call, and it just <laughs> cracks me. Up. I don't know why. <laughs> I would I would I would uh I would do it, except my wife just went to bed. I'm not sure she would appreciate me letting out a blood scur- <laughs> like curdling scream this late at night. But it is the funniest thing in the world. That's why I added it.
1: That does sound highly, highly entertaining. Maybe, so. uh, maybe save that one for, if you're dispersed camping, I don't think people in the <laughs> campground would appreciate being awoken by somebody screaming bloody
0: murder. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, I just added that cause it was funny. It tickled my funny <laughs> bone. So <laughs> nice. I like it. <clears throat>
1: uh, well that I think wraps it up for camping activities based on the, uh, current timestamp, I also think that we're going to have a part four. Sweet. So we, uh, should we skip to mindfulness?
0: Yeah. Um, for our mindfulness moment today, uh, we wanted to go back to kind of where we started and hit the uh, Havamal again. Um, for those unfamiliar, the Havamal is the uh, the wisdom of Odin from the Norse mythologies, um, and this one is stanza 18, uh, Jackson Crawford translation, only a man who is wide traveled and has wandered far can know something about how, how other men think such a man is wise. Um, and remember man is kind of the universal like human race. So basically, In my opinion, this is saying that only a person who has gone outside of the comforts of their home and experienced the wider world uh, can truly understand how another person may see the world. And kind of going along the lines with our camping, I think it's important to put yourself out there and learn from new experiences. And so that is our mindfulness moment for the day. What are your thoughts on that one?
1: Um, I I agree. We, I mean, I kind of alluded to this um, with your your news bit about the uh, praising Jesus at 30,000 feet or whatever it was. Um, but so a term that has kind of become popular in the last few years is echo chamber um and specifically with the way it relates to social media and an echo chamber is basically we see all these things on whatever platform twitter facebook and we think that that's how the world is and then when we encounter something contrary to that um we, you know, we get upset or whatever. Um, And the reason for that is we tend to surround ourselves with people or sources that hold a lot of the same viewpoints that we do. And it's basically just a a modern version of confirmation bias, uh, which means that you like I said, you surround yourself with similar viewpoints, which reinforces those beliefs. And it's kind of a byproduct of the way that these websites are designed. Uh, It's not, and I'm kind of being the crotchety old man again, but it used to be that you would have these like healthy discussions with people and, you know, with people that held different viewpoints and, I think what this is saying is that you really need that exposure to other ways of thinking and to other cultures, other beliefs, whatever before you can really be considered wise. You need to the other thing it says is that uh, that this quote says is that it specifically says It's the only way you can know something about how other people think. And like you with news today, all news sources are colored in one way or another. They're all biased. And if you really want to understand how other people think, you need to talk to those other people. Like if you're, a conservative, you can't just trust what conservative news sources say about people who are liberal and vice versa. If you're liberal, you can't trust conservative or you can't trust what liberal sources say about conservatives. You need to engage with the people in those groups and the people that have those viewpoints before you can truly understand their point of view and what they're actually saying.
0: I think that's well said. I think it was
1: long said. <laughs> uh,
0: long said, yet still well said. Yeah. Well, th- that ends part three of what has turned into a four point part camping series. Um, <laughs> thank you for joining us on this, uh, on this journey um, through the ins and outs of camping. I hope you all are enjoying it and look forward to the end of this road next week um, as we wrap things up. We'll see you then.